Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. The shamans of the Andes believe that each of us is given a fragment of the sacred dream to hold and to express in our own way. When we forget that we carry an essential and necessary part of the sacred dream, we begin to spiral into disarray. Our personal dreams become nightmares and our lives collapse into chaos. And with the state of the world today, so many of us are wondering if this is what's going on with us. Our guest today describes how we can get back in touch with the sacred dream, focus on what is real and important in our world and become fully aware of the possibilities available to us for a better future. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind and heart and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Dr. Alberto Villaldo has trained as a psychologist and medical anthropologist and has practiced yoga for more than 25 years. He's traveled to the source of India's, India's holy rivers in the Himalayas to rediscover the wisdom of India's ancient shamans. Dr. Vialdo directs the Four Winds Society, where he trains individuals in the U.S. and Europe in the practice of shamanic energy medicine. Alberto has written numerous best-selling books, and the latest I have in my hand, The Heart of the Shaman, Stories and Practices of the Luminous Warrior. Welcome back to the show, Alberto. Thank you, Julie. So good to be with you. So good to have you back. And I always, um, I, I really love to follow what you're doing in the world and often um, just get tickled when I see a video come across or or read a passage or a quote that someone's posted. I just really love following your work and, and delight in having another personal conversation with you here today. First, Alberto, we have this tradition and you've done this before, but I'm going to ask you again, because I think in this moment of now, um, what might emerge from your response will be completely different. So I'm going to start with, if you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you today? Well, all things connected means to me the same thing it did yesterday because yesterday does connect to today and tomorrow. In fact, it really eliminates the the difference between one moment and the next. So we so we the present moment truly is the only thing that is. And um and this I think is what it meant to me yesterday when you asked me, but I I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, you know what? Let's start right there because it's so beautiful. I want to I want to dig into that because you do write about that in your in your new book, and you've written about it before, of really how we're looking at time. And I think you devote a whole chapter on the nature of time. I know you did, and it really is a, a beautiful place for us to start because I think this whole idea of dreaming the sacred dream is really more powerful and potent when we understand the nature of time. So can you share with our listeners a little bit more about that? Absolutely. You know, the uh, natural time is very different from um, the scientific time that we're living with. Natural time had to do with the seasons, with the with women's moon cycles, with the time it took to gestate a baby, with uh, with with birth and with death. But this was in the ancient shamanic societies, which were primarily feminine societies. And then we, when we shifted to the masculine around 6,000 years ago with the discovery of agriculture, 
And remember, we discover agriculture, we discover warfare, and we discover grains and sugar all at the same time. So the feminine traditions are displaced, and now we have a new kind of time, which is digital time, clock time, and being on time, and time running out. So this new kind of time that is Western time, what we consider as time, is the, is the breaking up of infinity into little moments so that you can manage these. And when you find the feminine shamanic perspective on time, where you keep running into it, it's a time that never runs out, that you're always on time, that time you're on time whenever you show up, that there's no, that, that you're never disconnected from the flow of the seasons and the cycles. And this is what is making us so ill today, is this tremendous disconnection from the natural rhythm of our bodies, of each other, of, our, of love, of communion, of birth, of death. So time is, um, it's, it, it's very different for a shaman than what it is for us in the West. Time has to do with experiencing your infinity within your every cell in your body and not living in the fear of it running out and your time ending. Mm. I just want to pause and breathe into that feeling, that expansiveness and the power that that is in that natural time when we're we're in that place it's kind of like you're right we're connected to all things we literally are you also talk about this the continuum of past present and future has no differentiation we don't we don't look at um, the past and the future as something other than this continuation or continuum maybe you could explain that more you know, when I, I remember the first time I went to the Amazon as a young medical anthropologist, and I knew that people knew how to count. You know, they knew how to count because you have 10 fingers, 10 toes, and that's the beginning of it. But when you're, they talked about time, there was only three fingers or three numbers. There was today, there was yesterday, there was the day before yesterday, and there was a long time ago. And for the future, there was tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and a very long time from now. So that you truly were invited to be so present in the moment and to invite the past to join us, to invite the ancestors to come to the feast, to sit around the dinner table with you and to know that they're present and to invite our children's children to be part of the conversation to be present here and to be mindful that every action you took was going to have an impact for many generations. And that in every prayer ceremony that you invited the unborn children, the ones, the children from the future, our great-grandchildren, to be present so you would have the wisdom to create a world that they could be born into. Mm. So the, so this is the, this is what it, 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 my new book is about the heart of the shaman, is that we don't get trapped into three dreams that turn into nightmares that are really destroying our, our, the fabric of our, our souls. And when we wake up from these three dreams, then we can embrace the sacred dream that we're all part of. Okay, so this is a, a beautiful invitation to talk about the sacred dream, but let's go first into these um, other three dreams that we really need to overcome, and then we can dig into the sacred dream mm -hmm. and how we can all be a part, because that's an, another introduction coming out of this idea of time, is that we have a responsibility to, to dream the sacred dream and to live that out, but we get stuck. We get stuck in what you call nightmares of these other three dreams. And I think it's so relevant for our mm. world today. So I look forward to you talking about it. Do you, where do you want to start? Do you want to just talk about those three dreams in general? And then maybe we can go into detail with each of them. So the three dreams that we have to wake up from, 
are very ancient dreams. And they were actually very ancient nightmares also that we used to to pray to the old gods and to plea with the with the deities of the past to deliver us from. So they were the dreams of safety. We would we would we would pray that that God keep us safe, that would we would be delivered from our enemies. And it was the dream of love that we ask we look for the love of God and we looked at God as love and we would ask God to bring us our beloved. I know that in so many places in Latin America, I was born in Latin and South America, the, um, the, they would be begging the, the Madonna to, to bring them their lover, their beloved, the man of their life or their woman that they would be content and happy with. And of course, that dream of love would shortly turn into a nightmare. <laughs> the third was the, 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 that we'd be del delivered from death. That um, that the gods would welcome us on the other side. That we would that the doors of heaven would be open to us. That we would not be trapped in one of the hell realms. And what we have to do today is to understand that if we do not take ownership of these dreams, that they become nightmares. That we have to embody that divine force within, and to wake up from these three dreams. That we think we can find safety and love and fearlessness outside of ourselves. So this is what the heart of the shaman is about, and it's probably the most ancient of the shamanic teachings. And it is known as the way of the luminous warrior, because it is that which takes you into infinity. Beautiful. I love that title too, Alberto, the, the way of the luminous warrior. And um, beautiful imagery with that language. I just, I feel... I feel really at peace when I think of a luminous warrior. These three dreams that turn into nightmares are literally our work to do in our lives so that we can get on with life and move into that sacred dream peace. So you give a lot of really beautiful examples of how people like turn around and face their fears with this. So these are, are they a developmental thing that we, we do one at a time or are we working on what is our weakness? And we like someone may really fear death more than they are into the love dream. Are there one that, that we have more than the other? You know, the, these are kind of the symptoms, the, uh, but the, the cause of these, of these nightmares is our inability or unwillingness to look for our sacred dream, mm. to, to recognize that we each carry a part of a sacred dream. And when we don't, then we, we keep searching for the personal dream. We keep searching for the best job in the world instead of looking for the best job for the world. We keep looking for, you know, I have a friend who invited me to his fifth wedding and he was looking for the right partner instead of working. I told him, look, you forget about looking for the right partner. You've got to work on becoming the right partner. And the, uh, we're looking for safety in these times of, of, that are really scary. How do you, and the shamans say, you cannot go anywhere that's safe but you can become a safe person. And if you become a safe person, then you're surrounded by peace. And then, so when we, when we say yes to that sacred dream, it's revealed to us. It's revealed what our little part of that dream is. And if we bring that little part of our dream with us into the, into the great fire ceremony, into our prayer and our meditation, then the entire dream is revealed to us, even if it's just for a brief instant. And this is the dream that that um, that the that the luminous ones hold for our planet and for humanity and for the for the earth. So we become part of something so much greater than we are, and then all of the little details that don't work in our lives begin to resolve to themselves by themselves. Mm. I'm I'm hearing this in a new way, listening to you explain it other than reading about it too, Alberto is I'm finding that that resolving these personal dreams of safety love and death 
get that out of the way to open us to this greater sense of a shared dream, this sacred dream. And then I'm also hearing that when we step into the sacred dream, these other dreams that can turn into a nightmare can naturally resolve on their own. It, it, that's the that's it. You hit it. It's the second one. Because okay. we we keep saying to spirit, you know, when I have enough time, when I have enough money, when I have when the kids have grown up, then I'll be able to respond to my calling. So we keep giving excuses to God. <laughs> And yeah. so, no, the minute that you say yes and that you say that you open up to receiving and embodying your little piece of that sacred dream, all of these other issues begin to resolve by themselves. Beautiful. So help us define the sacred dream, because I think we all really understand that we're, you know, that we can be in service of a greater whole. But really, with this indigenous culture, we're talking about the sacred dream as a whole dream, um, a shared dream, a collective dream, and we all have our own part. So how would you how would you describe the sacred dream to us? See, this is the the tricky part is that we cannot describe it, but we know it's there. And when we show up with our part, we begin we recognize it. So it's 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 the dream of the of a conscious living planet of humanity and all living creatures coexisting harmoniously and sustainably. It's the dream that will allow our children's children to have an earth that they can be born into. And so we're not really worried about the details here. We're we're holding the possibility in spite of what the probability looks like the probability doesn't look good but we're holding on to the possible no matter how improbable and if enough of us do that then then the possible becomes so and i know this because when i work with somebody who's had just had their dream become a nightmare you know i was working with a client who got a terrible diagnosis terrible health diagnosis and the probability did not look good and i i said to her look you're not an MRI, you're not a liver function test, you're not a, a you know, you're not a, a, a scan, you're a miracle, you're a living miracle. And let's step into that miracle mode. And that's what's going to allow you to not become a statistic because the statistics are pretty dismal today. You know, the statistics are one out of two people that get to be 85 years old will have diagnosable Alzheimer's. So how do we dream a sacred dream at this very challenging time in history. And I'll tell you what the shamans say. They say that before we were born, that we were all gathered in a great green field and a very big angel came out and said, you know, this is going to be a very challenging time on the earth. There's gonna be war, there's going to be famine, there's gonna be crises, there's gonna be climate change, there's gonna be species dying. Who wants to come? We need healers. And we all volunteered. So we all volunteered to come and show up and make a difference in a time of tremendous challenge and difficulty. Mm. And the key word for the shaman here is showing up. So that, you know, when you look at the Eastern traditions, the, the meditative, the Buddhist, the Eastern traditions are about waking up. And the beauty of the Western traditions, the psychological Western traditions, they're, they're about growing up. But the shamanic traditions are, are about showing up. We got to now show up to complete that mission that we selected for ourselves in a, the form of a sacred contract that we entered into with spirit. And this is the way of the luminous warrior. That is to complete our mission here on earth, which is to create beauty, to create joy, to create peace, and to, um, and to dream the world into being in a beautiful way. So that's what the sacred dream is about. When you say, yes, I'm stepping up, I'm, I'm doing my part. 
And as we show up and step in to do our part, I love, I just want to recap this before break because I think it's so important for our listeners' ears to really hear this, that that sacred dream and knowing our part will show up, but it doesn't have to come with such specificity that says in a, in a quantitative way, in a linear way that says we're going to do this by this time and it's going to look like this. You're saying hold the possibilities no matter how improbable. And I love the idea, that invitation to just sit in the potentiality and hold that feel, field of possibility knowing that our part is contributing to something much greater than ourselves. So beautiful. Well, you, you said that so beautifully. Can I quote you in my next book? Absolutely. Please do. <laughs> That's exactly it. That is exactly you hold that field of infinite possibility at a time of increasingly narrowing probabilities. Yes. Wow. And that's where the magic is, right? Completely. Exactly yes. where it is. Okay, we need to take a quick break. I am here with Alberto Vialdo and I'm we're talking about the heart of the shaman. After the break, we're going to talk so much more about truth and beauty and love and what you can do to be a part of this shared sacred dream. We'll be right back. Meditation channel, nonstop meditation music, 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. There's a natural resource that exists everywhere on the planet which could benefit all of civilization. Yet it's been largely ignored. That resource is women. In many of the world's poorest communities, women are denied a significant role. So often their talent and potential remain untapped. At CARE, we found in country after country that empowering women is one of the fastest ways to improve conditions and help end poverty. That's why CARE is helping provide girls and women with an education, opportunity, and a voice worldwide. I am powerful. I am powerful. I am powerful. I am powerful. powerful. It's a source of power the world can no longer afford to overlook. She has the power to change her world. You have the power to help her do it. Call 1-800-521-CARE or visit care.org. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom, but a little over a year ago, we realized she couldn't take care of herself without our help. And well, how could I not be there for her? I had no idea how hard it would be and just what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and even for me, ways to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics that got me started but also information about the hurdles I was facing in this new role. I could even connect with experts and hear from others who had been in my place. I know this road we're on isn't an easy one, but I'm really happy to have the extra help for her and for me. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. This message is brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. for your family to breathe. Make sure you test your home for radon. It's easy. Just call 866-730-GREEN. Make it green, green, green. A message from the US EPA. Adding light to the world, one heart at a time. This is Empower Radio. 
Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe even listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page. All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I'm here today with Alberto Vialdo. You can find out so much more about his work at the4wins.com. The4wins, like the wind that blows, plural.com. Alberto, right before the break, we are talking about this sacred dream. And I, I really want to help go into help our listeners by going into some of the daily practices you have three daily practices you talk about but first um, they might still be wondering how do I know when I found my sacred dream how do I really know when I'm a part of a larger sacred dream so how might you respond to that how how will how do we know when we've really found our sacred dream well, a couple of things. One is that you don't wait until you understand your sacred dream uh, before you begin to act on it. So you've, you've got to go with the hunch and the feeling. It's not going to be revealed to you and extending an invitation to you. It's the moment that you say yes that the dream become, begins to be revealed to you. Secondly, you've got to remember that it speaks in the language of dreams, which is not in the everyday language that's rational and logical. So it's a feeling, a sensation, a calling that you know to be so true that you're willing to risk everything for it. And then your practice of the sacred dream has to be done at a very internal level, at a very sacred level between you and spirit. And, you know, the, uh, the Zen Buddhist priests in Japan, many of them are moving out of the city monasteries up to the mountain monasteries because they feel that they can make more of a difference in the world in bringing peace to the world by meditating for peace in a mountaintop than by teaching a young executive how to sit on a cushion in Tokyo. So mm. it's in, in those moments of quiet that you are able to add your peace, that you're able to show up at the sacred fire that you're able to during the full moon for example medicine men and women around the earth gather for fire ceremonies so light a candle in the next full moon and add your prayer to that because meditation and this kind of shamanic journey meditation where you journey to the future to install a greater more beautiful outcome than the one that seems to be preordained by our fate, that is a disruptive technology that can make such a difference in the world. But yeah, there are other practices and the practices are essential. Yeah, I'm going to get to that in just a second, but I really, I love a couple of things you said. Number one, that is between you and spirit. And I think holding it in that place so often, I'm just going to speak for um, a lot of the evolutionary leaders and, and thought leaders that are listening to the show today, so often we get caught up in that we're, we're dreaming this larger dream, which means that we've got to gather everybody, we've got to do this, we've got to go out there, we got to, and we're so focused on getting others into the dream. And your example was so beautiful of maybe you're, you're really going to go sit in a mountaintop and, and be there with you and spirit there. That was that's a gorgeous piece of this. Thank you for mm. sharing that. The yeah, other piece yeah. that well, I... well, see, this is what the shamans did. They called that the vision quest. Yeah. So they, we think when we read about the shamanic vision quest that they're going out into the woods to get a personal vision for themselves. No, they're going into the woods to fast, to pray, and to offer themselves as a vehicle, as a vessel for that greater vision or dream that uh, that we are all part of. That's beautiful. And and the, the other piece that I think was really worth just driving and grounding home here is that we're dreaming into the future. So when when you're carrying that into meditation and really holding this as a sacred practice, 
again, you're holding that potential, that possibility of the future, that infinite possibility. The exactly. other thing that in the book that I really appreciated, I, I'd like you to kind of expand on a little bit is that sometimes this dream is huge. Like you said, it comes in dream symbols. It might be, it might be a part of this vision that you think is highly improbable because it's way, way bigger than what you can even imagine. Can you speak to that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I was speaking with my daughter a couple of days ago, and she's going through a very difficult time. She's, uh, she's, she, the dream, her dream of love, has turned into a nightmare. And you know, my instinct as a father, she's a young woman, early twenties, was going was to say, you know, honey, that happens to all of us. You eventually, you do survive it. You know, even even though she doesn't think she's going to survive it, and we know that we do. Um, but one of the things that I've learned is that that our kids cannot learn from our mistakes. They have to learn from their mistakes, and maybe we can help them understand it. But the but my instinct was, you know, you are going to meet someone you're going to absolutely love. And I said that to her. She said, no, I'm never going to meet anybody. And I said, no, you are going to meet somebody you're going to absolutely be able to fall in love with and love totally and completely. And it's you. It has to begin with you. And then you're going to draw to yourself that person that you can share that love with. Now, when we talk about the sacred dream, if that becomes what we're dedicated to, then we find the partner that is able to walk in a sacred path with us in service also to something greater than we are. And if not, you're going to just look for the partner that you think is going to make you safe or make you happy. Or, And oftentimes what we end up with is somebody that we have a karmic relationship with. And I remember having dinner with Brian Weiss, who wrote Many Lives, Many Masters, and somebody asked him, Brian, what about when you meet that person that you know is your soulmate? You look into their eyes and you connect and you, you know this person can see you like nobody else can. And he says, when that happens, run away as fast as you can. Because that's generally somebody that you killed in a former lifetime and that's showing up again for you to to learn what you failed to learn from in that life. Mm. So you have to become that lover. You have to make your world safe. You have to become fearless. But you cannot wait for the dream to be revealed to you. It's only in saying yes to your taking on that part of the sacred dream that all of these gifts come to you. Beautiful. That's a beautiful prescription for all of us, and which then leads me to these practices, because um, while you're waiting for this dream to come, it's going to come, and you're, you're resolving these other nightmares, you talk about some daily practices of the luminous warrior, and they're not like many of us think of a practice. They're really, really beautiful and easy and simple, but powerful. Can you... Can you share a little bit about your daily practices? Now, tell me which one called you the most. Is there one that... Oh, yes. Do you want me to tell you? The beauty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Find something beautiful in the person you're speaking with, even if it's difficult and challenging in a conversation. I remember that piece. I remember, uh, oh, so much about... I think I'm a beauty person. And so this practice of really looking for the beauty everywhere, even when things are falling apart. It's just so resonant with me. Yeah. Yeah, especially at these times that we're living in when everything seems so so dreadful and, and terrifying around us. Yep. Yes. Yes. So tell us a little bit more about this practice of beauty. You have you wrote three daily practices of truth, beauty and love and you do a, yeah. a whole chapter on it and it's so it to me it's like so refreshing and it feels like easy homework you know mm -hmm. it feels like it's a balm for our soul yeah. it's this healing medicine for our soul yeah you know i 
I have a private practice and I see patients in a private practice and I train shaman healers today. That's what I do is we have a school of energy medicine. And when I work with a patient or with a client, I'm not trying to heal anything or to fix anything, but I'm simply working with them to create beauty. And when you create beauty, then health follows. So you create beauty emotionally, you create beauty through your diet, you create beauty through how you practice gratitude, and you create beauty by, by witnessing and seeing and eliciting beauty, and not just agreeing with the consensual about how horrible things are. So this is the, and I, I think of myself as a, as a beauty shaman. <laughs> That's not a that's not a cosmetic shaman. That's not somebody that does uh, facials or no. It's truly the the discovery of the recognition of and the summoning of the beauty that is latent in every situation to make itself manifest. Even if it's a difficult situation, even if you're arguing with someone, even if you feel threatened by someone. You can say, you know, it's really beautiful how you communicate that. I want you to know. And um, and I really admire and respect how you... And then that changes, the completely changes the tone of the engagement. It's no longer adversarial. It becomes one of acknowledging the other. And then, the, then resolution can emerge so much more readily. Mm. I remember you wrote in the book... Um that on the seventh day um it wasn't that the creator was complete with creation it was that he turned to creation and said okay now you create more beauty now you finish it now yeah you finish it there you go yeah now you finish it oh it's good (laughs) that's good advice for all of us like what would we do if in this moment we thought i have to finish it i have to create beauty now it's, it's so powerful. What about truth and love? Those are important too. Absolutely. Yeah, truth is um, truth is a practice. It's a practice of speaking truth and being so impeccable in what you speak and in the truth that you speak. The shamans say that if you take the practice of truth and truly and embody it, that eventually everything you say becomes so becomes true Mm. so that you can go to someone who is suffering and tell them you are well and they become well and that's the supreme act of co-creating with the divine and because in the beginning there was the word and the word was true yeah (laughs) and if your words become true if your words are true, then everything eventually that you say becomes so. And you will see that the universe mirroring that back to you uh, elegantly and beautifully all the time. But you have to practice truth. And it's not only what you speak, but with what you tell to yourself. Because maybe the biggest lies that we collude with are the ones that we tell ourselves about who we are, about our, our limitations, about how we've suffered. And the, um, and I have, I have a friend of mine that has gone through a tremendous amount of emotional suffering. And I said, said to him a few days ago, I said, wow, it's incredible. You've almost completed earth school. You've, you've been through more lessons than, than anybody I know. It's amazing that you've, you know, you've had this, this, this really rapid schooling. You've been on the fast track. You've been in the advanced classes. And he said, you think so? I said, yeah, look at all you've suffered. Now you've got to just turn that suffering into wisdom. And you'll never have to repeat the grade. <laughs> Did so he hear the, you? Did he hear he, you? He kind of balked a little bit because, you know, he, he kind of enjoyed his suffering. Yeah. It's like someone who's trying to lose weight and they're thinking, but all these, all this money that I spent in Italian restaurants. No, you're, it's, so if you can, if you can be truthful with yourself and then comes the practice of love. 
so that love is not a fussy feeling that we have, but it's something that we elicit and create. In the same way that we elicit truth in a situation, I used to walk away when I saw that people were lying, and I don't do that anymore. What I do is that I sit there and I don't challenge them, but I elicit the truth of the moment instead of imposing my truth upon the moment. And this is the this this is the act. This is the the power of the luminous warrior. Is how do you create truth when we're surrounded by so many lies and so much deceit, the fake news that we're surrounded by, the fake science that we're surrounded by. How do you create truth when there's so many untruths? And that becomes an act of power for the shaman. Mm. And. And you and you have to you you practice truth by speaking truth and by being true to yourself and to your word. And Alberto, you distinguish that truth isn't necessarily history or what someone else's truth is, that it really is your truth to tune into that. Yep. Yeah, history is basically the truth of others. And the, and history is what was written by the winners. If you read the history of Europe from the point of view of the people who lost the war or who were defeated by, <clears throat> it's a very different, um, very different story. And history is this, his story. It's the masculine story of the facts. And the facts may be factual, but they're not necessarily true. They don't establish a truth. So the truth is has more to do with the hand of God and spirit than with the acts that, of men. And this is the higher truth that we that we subscribe to as shamans. And that we speak up when we see that that truth is being violated. You know, the, the higher truth is that there is meaning and purpose. Yeah. The, the greater truth is that we're here to complete creation. The greater truth is that we are love, but love is a practice and it involves fearlessness and not just basking in that afterglow of love. Mm. You know, it reminds me of another um, invitation that you make in the book when we're talking about the truth and you mentioned your friend who's had all that suffering is that it goes back to that conversation of time as well is that the truth of our history and the facts of our personal journey, our personal experience is literally we can change that in any moment by telling a new story to ourselves of finding beauty and love and truth that's in this mm -hmm. moment. So we're letting go of that old history. Yeah, especially because we begin to think that we are the product of our history, that we are the product of that mother that we did not care enough, that we are the product of that experience, that horrible experience of abuse we may have had with a father or an uncle. <clears throat> We're not the product of those things. You're the product of your becoming and not of your past. And if we can see that the past is simply a collection of events but they're not the truth of who you are. You are a living miracle and you are a person that's able to elicit the miraculous through the practice of truth. And, um, and that's what the shamans call dreaming the world into being. But it has to be done from the heart, which is why I call the book The Heart of the Shaman, because it is the heart, not the head, but the heart that is the force of creation, is that, that power of love that allows you to take part in the sacred dream. Mm. Do we dream ourselves into being like we dream the world into being? Is it, is it the same kind of idea? Yeah, you, you absolutely do. <clears throat> you also dream your health into being. And, but of course, if you want to change your health, you don't only have to change the dream, you have to change your diet. And you have to clean up your relationships and you have to practice forgiveness. So all of these elements are part of changing the dream. It doesn't happen in your head only. It has to happen in the physical, literal world. 
And of course, it's hard to dream your world into being if you're very toxic. If you have a lot of, if you have a bunch of mercury in your brain, and if you have the, um, if you've been eating food that's been poisoned, like many of us have, and you know, I remember we used to have lead plumbing in our home when I was a kid, and lead is absolutely toxic. So we have to detox our body today. This was my next book, which is called "Grow a New Body," that'll be released in February. How do we de- How do we get the poison? out of our bodies and our brains so we can get the poison out of our soul. Ooh, ooh, I can't wait to have you back on for that mm. one. Yeah. So, wow. So, so yes, I, I tell my clients, look, you are a living miracle. You're not a diagnosis. That's to begin with. And then you deconstruct the diagnosis. You, you, you recognize that there are no such things as diseases, that diseases don't exist. They're just a collection of symptoms. They don't exist. Sick people exist, but diseases don't exist. So how do you go from this, this truth of not being well to a dream where the truth is wholeness and this, the essential element here is connection? is connection to spirit, connection to the mother, to the earth, and to that greater dream that you're part of. So have you been following the studies that say that probiotics are useless? I have not. I have not heard that. No. Well, there's a bunch of press right now that says that the, the flora, the probiotics that everybody should be taking are absolutely useless. And they've done some really careful studies that show that. And um, a friend of mine said to me, Alberto, you know, in your programs, you tell people to, to use probiotics. We have a retreat center in the mountains in Chile where we actually make our own probiotics and, and amazing, amazing healing happens. And I say to them, you know, probiotics are bacteria and it's, they are the spirit of the mother. The bacteria have been here forever and they will be here long after we're gone. They're part of the body of Gaia, of the mother, and they communicate with each other. And they will be helpful to you if they feel that you're part of the solution. But if they feel you're part of the problem, these are living sentient creatures, they're not gonna help you. So you gotta pray with them and tell them, yes, I'm part of the sacred dream that is creating a sacred earth and a sustainable planet and where humanity can live in peace and not contaminate this beautiful blue-green planet. Then they're gonna, then they're gonna help you. Otherwise, why should they? Mm. Because they're part of the immune system of Mother Earth and if they see that you're part of the poison that's killing her, they're definitely not going to help you. Now, of course, this is not scientific, so, but it's true. Yeah, I get it. Wow, that's powerful. I, I, I hear also in your work another, another part of the medicine, so I'm, I'm really loving to ask you this question before we run out of time because we're coming to the close. I would love to hear you just talk about flow because I think understanding how to live in the flow from personal flow to cosmic flow is a big part of the medicine. Mm-hmm. No? Yeah? Yeah, absolutely essential. Even from intercellular flow, how do you know how do you get toxins out of the cell and into this river that's the extracellular river or matrix that leads toxins out of your body and how do you f- feed that river with nutrients that support your brain and your heart? And everything in life is fluid, it's a flow. And, the, um, and so should your breath and your meditation. That's why I love the breath. Because it is such a flow. You flow in, I am, and you exhale, my breath. You inhale, I am, and you exhale, my breath. And the shamans say that if you do that meditation where you inhale and you pause at the very top of the inhale for a moment, and then you release the breath and you pause at the bottom of the exhale right before it turns into an inhale, my breath. That, that day when you take your last breath, your spirit, and it's gonna 
is going to leave with the breath and you will return back to the cosmos in this great flow of breath and of life. Mm. Beautiful. Alberto, I'm looking forward to your next book now. I'm all excited. <laughs> I you. can't Thank wait. You. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for the beautiful work you do and be in the flow. You know, it's inevitable. We are always in the flow and you can either be fluid in the flow or you can be like a cork bobbing up and down and terrified of what where are you going to wash up on what beach so become the wave and know that that we are part of a wave that is increasing in size and that is going to be creating an entirely new sustainable beautiful planet we're part of we are the solution mm, we are the solution there is no other solution beyond the we is there. And, and if you understand that, then you recover your health, then you maintain your health. If you don't get that, that today you are, you have to become the solution, then you are part of the problem. Mm. And, that's, and, and the planet is at this point waking up to and intervening and self-regulating again. So it's an exciting time. And I really want to, um, to encourage us to to drop into our hearts and embody that medicine person that we are, that shaman that we are and that we have been in the past and that we came here to co-create together. Beautiful. So uh, thank you. It feels like right there is beautiful inspiration for all of our friends that are listening today. But in, in like a minute or less, Alberto, is there anything more that you'd really like to share with our friends out there that you haven't been able to share yet? Well, the, uh, yes, I think that there's a new archetype that's coming into the planet and it's a new feminist. It's the return of the goddess, but in a whole new form. It's not the, the great breasted goddess that is the mother of all, but the wild woman, the wild feminine is returning and it's chaotic and it's renewing and it's devastating and inspiring. And for all of us to embody her, not just the women, but the men, we need to embody this wild, alive feminine within us that is fearless and that is willing to turn the world upside down to, uh, to make it right and to make it beautiful. Thank you for that invitation and thank you for joining us again today, Alberto. I look forward to having you with the next book. Thank you so much, Julie. Blessings, blessings to all of our listeners. Thank you. And I'm going to leave our listeners with some of your words that really touched me. We created the conditions that made life possible on Earth five billion years ago. All of us including the birds and the whales, are responsible for this act of creating. And the process of creating is not complete. So we dream the world into being each day. Life would cease to be. The earth would become a barren, lifeless rock drifting through space were we to stop dreaming the world into being. For creation to unfold, we must continue to dream. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. I'd like to thank you so much for tuning in with us today. And remember, together, we're creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. <music>